Okay, we're beginning here at the top of Nun Zayin Amad Aleph with the new parak. We switched now from the previous parak which spoke about Behemah. And now we're moving into a parak that speaks about Isha. Key difference here is how we look at what they adorn themselves with in terms of the relationship to Shabbat. When we looked at animals, in terms of what was considered to be a Masui and what was considered to be part of the animal's normal wear, that to do with what was practical normal for the animal to have to secure it in order for it to be warm, so on and so forth. But anything that was decorative in nature, we considered to be a masui for the behemoth that was considered to be carrying on Shabbat. On the other hand, when it comes to the woman, it's almost the exact opposite. Anything that is worn to adorn her on Shabbat, jewelry, clothing, that is considered to be a part of her normal wear and that is not carrying on Shabbat. So as opposed to, in the previous paragraph, we said anything for noi is a sewer. Here, it's going to be just the opposite. Anything for Noi should be Mutar. problem then comes, and what our Mishnah will address in the Gemara as well is, that's not always true. The Chachamim were Gozer in many instances, even if it was for Noi by the woman, that she may not wear it. Because of fears that she might take it off, or she might carry it in the Rishuta Rabim. But underlying that is a fundamental belief that to wear clothing or to adorn oneself is permissible on Shabbat and is not considered to be carrying on Shabbat. And that is in contradistinction to what we said by the Behemah, it was just the opposite, which was by Behemah, Noi was a sewer. So now the Mishnah begins, What can a woman wear, go out with on Shabbat, and what she may not go out with? A woman may not go out. She may not go out with strings made out of wool, strings made out of linen, and ribbons in her hair on Shabbat. Now the Mishnah has almost what seems to be a non-sequitur to her, and the Gemara asks what's it doing here and use it to explain the Mishnah, which is, Velo titbolvahen, ad shetirafem. She may not go to the mikvah with these strings in her hair until she loosens them up. If they're too tight, it won't allow the water to get in there if she goes to the mikvah and you have a problem of chatzitza. So therefore she has to loosen them in order to go to the mikvah. What this has to do with the Shabbat, the Gemara will discuss. Velo betotefet, she may not go out with frontlets. This happens to be well, the only place really in the Mishnah that the term is used, and when the Gemara is searching for the meaning of the word totafot, in terms of what does it mean, the Gemara has all sorts of drashot. Many of the Rishonim point to this Mishnah as being the explanation of the term totafot by tefillin. The word itself is not defined, and it's hard to understand in terms of totafot what that has to do with tefillin. So here you have some sense of what it has to do with tefillin, which is that where the placement is. The totafot over here are frontlets. Terminology is not used anymore. They always look for a parallel to figure out what it means. So the only place they find it is here in our Mishnah. They find a usage of the word where the Gemara gives a description of what the decorative jewelry is. And then based on that, they say, okay, this must be what the word means. We'll get there. The Gemara is going to ask this in English. All these things are going to be defined in the Gemara. So, Veloba Savitin, and not with garlands, Bizman, She'enant Furim. In a case where they're not stitched in or sewn in, to her head covering. The assumption being that if it's stitched into her head covering or hair covering, she won't remove it, because in order to remove it, she'll also have to remove her hair covering. That she won't do. On the other hand, if it's not stitched and it's separate, then she can remove this piece of jewelry, even without uncovering her hair, and she's likely to take it off in Rishut Rabim to show it to her friends, uh, to talk about it, 
or if it's loose, to take it off, because it might fall off, and then she's going to come to carry it in Rishut Rabim. Velobi Kabul, Rishut Rabim. She may not wear a Kabul, which is a larger hair net or covering, into the Rishut Rabim. Velobi Ir Shel Zahav. She may not go out with a Ir Shel Zahav, which is something with a picture of Yerushalayim on it, so with some form of jewelry. Velobi Katla. And not with a, I'll call it loosely here, a choker. Velobi Nizamim. And not with nose rings, velotabat, she'enalachutam, and not with a ring that doesn't have a seal on it, velobimachat, she'enanukva, not with a needle that doesn't have a hole in it, vimyatsat, enachayevit chatat. She does wear any of these out, then she is not chayevit chatat. That last line in the Mishnah already gives you indication that here we're dealing with things that are dirabanan. Technically, wearing any one of these items would be permissible. They're all decorative in nature. They are all jewelry, part of the normal wear of the woman, and she would not be chayevet chatat because she's wearing them derech mabush. The problem in the Mishnah is clearly that the chachamim are worried in these instances that she's going to come and carry it in Rishut Rabim. Because of the nature of these items, she's likely to take them off, and in taking them off, then we run into the fear that she will carry them in the Rishut Rabim. The Tosafot already is trying to understand how the Chachamim came up with their list of items, they say, oh, we're worried about, and try to give definition to what is the principle that underlies this. So you can see that by the question in the Re. The Re says, When we talk about the strings in the Mishnah, when we talk about these ribbons, that's only when they're not braided into the hair. If they're braided into the hair, then he says that the Gemara later on says that Gliat Seyar of Isha is a sewer on Shabbat because it's an Isra Boneh and one cannot make a braid on Shabbat. And the Reed feels that just like you can't make a braid, you can't undo a braid on Shabbat. If that's the case, if you braid the strings into the hair, there's no suspicion that she's going to take the strings out anymore because you would have to unbraid her hair, which you wouldn't do on Shabbat. And then Tosafot moves on and says, why can't you say that a woman shouldn't be able to go out with a cape? Or, I mean, he uses the term talit, not like we would use, but I mean shawl or a covering on the top, because maybe she'll take it off. Why isn't there that suspicion with all types of clothing that she wears? Anything that's removable, why don't we say she's going to go out to the Shuta Rabim and she's going to take it off? How come our mission only lists specific items? So he says, V'yishlamar, V'dvarim sheim ikar malbush, lekal amigzar, adafilu b'chol, ein derech lelechet klau imkomo, if they are part of her major normal wear, then there is no suspicion that she's going to take them off. Even on a weekday, nobody leaves the house without being properly dressed, without having even their outer clothing. Nobody's going to walk out of the house without this clothing on. This is the first definition he gives to it. It's smaller items. A person is not always careful if they're wearing, whether it's a barrette or something that they would put in their hair, something that's an ornament, or something that's extra, an accessory. If they wear it, it's nice, but if they don't have it on, it wouldn't make them look odd. And in that case, that's where we have the suspicions. And that's something even on a weekday, somebody would take out of their hair, take it off their clothing. Those types of items, that's where we have the suspicion that it would be removed on Shabbat. So it's not a generic general suspicion that anything that can be removed, you will take off. It's things that you normally would take off on a weekday that we do suspect that you will take them off. Things that are accessories, not part of the normal wear that people would take out in public. 
And the re and on when you the read the dafu dvarim shrigilot hasiram gedel harutan omishum chatitza omishum peida gazru. He gives you a definition of items that they would do. It's not by all small items. It's by small items that they normally would show to others. Things that are things you would boast about. Things that you want to show. If you got a new one, you would show it to your friends. Other things where there's chatitza, which we'll see in a second in the gemara, what that has to do with things that blocked vila. And the third category says things that have kveida. Where people might make fun of them, it's something new, and they would remove it. Those types of things are problematic to wear on Shabbat. And if she took them off on Shabbat, they would forget that it was Shabbat and end up carrying them because they would even do it during a weekday. And therefore, they're not focused on the issue of Shabbat over here. So Tosfa tries to give some definition or narrow the scope of what's being discussed in the mission in terms of is all jewelry problematic? No, it's not all jewelry that's problematic. These are specific types of items that have the issues that Tosfot listed out, which are, they're small. People normally would take them off and not be considered to be missing part of their clothing if they did take them off. And there are normal items that people would show to their friends that cause problems with Vila or that they're Makpidan. So because of that, we now can develop the list that is in our Mishnah. We'll see that as we go through each of the items. So Gemara asks the question that I pointed out in the Mishnah is, Tvila Mandakar Shema. Tvila in the Mishnah seems to be a non-sequitur. So why is it mentioned in the Mishnah at all? We're talking here with Dinei Shabbat. What does Tevila have to do with it? So Amar Rav Nachman Yitzchak Amar Rav Baravua Matam Kamar. It's explaining the reason why it's Asur b'Shabbat. Matam lo teitzei isha lo bechutei tzemer velo bechutei pishtan. What's the reason a woman may not go out with these strings, ribbons made out of wool and linen? Bnei Shamru Chachamim b'Chol lo titbovahen ad shitirafim. Because on a weekday, she may not go into the mikveh until she loosens them out. Since on a weekday, she may not go to the mikveh until she loosens them. On Shabbat, she may not go out with them. Why? She might have to go to the mikveh on Shabbat. And there isn't a restriction against going to the mikveh on Shabbat. That Rashi notes from the Gemara in Beitza. Because a person can go into the water and look like he's just cooling off in the water. It's not mukhrach or mukhrachet that when someone is going into the mikveh that they're doing necessarily for tefillat mitzvah. They could be going in there simply to rinse off, to cool themselves down. And because of that, even though there's tikkun gavra, even though through going to the mikveh you're changing the status of the individual, which normally the chachamim would be gozer and shabbat to disallow, here since it's not certain when someone sees you in the mikveh that you are going to the mikveh to be mitayar yourself, we allow you to go to the mikveh on Shabbat. Because she has the right to go to the mikveh on Shabbat, so when she is going to the mikveh, she's going to loosen them before she leaves the house, when she's going to the mikveh. And then you open up the possibility of them sliding out of her hair or coming off on her way to the mikveh. If that's the case, she'll carry them. So the reason for the mikveh and the mishnah is to tell you that that generates a secondary problem. Going to the mikveh forces the woman to loosen up all of her normal wear. Forces her to loosen up all of her hair accessories. And in doing so, she risks them coming out or falling out. That's the case. She might come to carry them. Rabim. The Chachamim said, don't wear these types of items on Shabbat outside because of this scenario where she could be going to the mikveh. These rings of cloth it could be chalilta, means hollow rings. My, what's the din? There's some sort of, whether they're braided or woven 
rings made out of cloth that make up a chain of sorts, are you allowed to wear those out in Rishut Rabbim? Amalei, Arig Gamar, you're talking about something that is woven? Koshu Arig, Lo Gazru. Anything that is woven, they did not make Xerah about. So here, the question posed was, when you wear this type of chain, cloth chain here, that you're going to put into the hair, is it so tight that it creates a chatzitza for the mikveh? And creating a chatzitza for the mikveh, that means that she will loosen it up to go to the mikveh. And it will have the same problem as we had with the items in our Mishnah, which is the possibility that on Friday night, she would have to loosen it up on her way to the mikveh, and it will fall out of her hair. Or, do we say she can never tie it tight enough that it's a chatzitza? If it's not a chatzitza, then we don't worry about it loosening up. The answer that's given is, anything that is woven, you cannot tie tight. It will never create a tight enough seal against the hair that it won't let the water in. So because of that, when you wear it normally, you will not have to loosen it, in order to go into the mikveh. There's a natural looseness to it. Not so loose that it will fall out of your hair, but a natural looseness that it's not a chatzitza. Therefore, on a Friday night, she wouldn't loosen it to go to the mikveh. She'd wear it normally, even if she was going to the mikveh. And there, we won't worry about the fact that it's going to fall out of her hair and she's going to carry it. And that's his answer, that arig, this woven material, is accepted from what is said in our Mishnah. Sa'it Varnami. We have a similar statement amongst the Amurayim. Amravuna Breder of Yeshua. Kosho Arig Logazru. Anything that is woven, there was no Gzira. Ve'ikete Amre. And some phrased it this way. She is Amravuna Breder of Yeshua. Chazina Lachvatai. I saw my sisters. Delo Kaptan Alayu. That they didn't worry about them. They didn't loosen them up. They wore them as they were when they went to bathe without any problem. Ma Ika Benach Lishna U Benach Lishna. You brought me two ways to formulate the statement of Rav Huna Yoshua. What's the difference in his formulation? One says woven materials cannot be tied on the hair. The other one just says that his sisters didn't loosen them up. The difference between them will be if they are dirty. If these woven hair accessories have teeth, dirt on them, then there's a question. According to Lashon says, If anything that is woven, there is no zera. These qualify for there being no gzera because they are also arub. They are also considered to be woven. And if she puts them in her hair, we're not going to worry about it. The other Mishnah which says that it's a problem of kpeida, that they don't remove them from their hair, that they leave them in their hair. Then over here you will have a problem. Came the Tanifa, Mikvad Kapte Alayhu. They are a Makpid on them. This is one of the qualifications that the Reed mentioned in the Mishnah if they're Makpid. Over here they when we he said that they were indifferent about them. When they went into the mikveh, they weren't Makpid to take them out. But that means if they're dirty and she goes into the mikveh, what's gonna happen is that that dirt or that teeth that's on the hair accessory is then gonna get into her hair. And she's not gonna want that. If she's not going to want that, what's she going to do? She's going to take it off or loosen it. If she's going to loosen it or take it off, we're back to the problem that we have with the other items in the Mishnah. So the difference between the Lishanot will come from this nuance, which is when it's dirty, when it's muddied up, over there, if it's woven is the determination, then it's woven and there's nothing to talk about. On the other hand, if the issue is whether the women are makpid to take them off or not makpid, well, here the women would take them off because they're dirty and it would dirty their hair and they wouldn't want to go into the bath or into the mikveh with them on. So in that case, they would loosen them up, and it would be problematic. Okay, so you're asking is a general question, which by Gzirat Chachamim, they try to make the standard objective and not subjective, which is true. If they always loosen them up when they went to the mikveh, at the mikveh, instead of on the way there, 
it would never be a problem because they would never have this fear that they're going to take them out of their hair or they're going to fall out on the way there. Chachamim saw that that wasn't the case. The women, when they went to the mikveh, already loosened them up before they left the house. So since that's the case, they made the gzera. Once the is in place, we don't say, oh, this woman, she only loosens them up when she gets to the mikveh, she's fine. Generally, Chachamim kept their gzerot objective, and therefore if they found already this was the practice, they established, don't wear this, even for a woman who doesn't practice it this way, who will just take them off in the mikveh. We have a Mishnah in Mikvaot. These are items that are chatzitza for a person to go into the Mikveh. Rashi, I think, has a Girsiyah, that these are items that are problematic, and we're going to see in a second, modifies the entire Mishnah, which is these are items, strings of wool, strings of linen, and the ribbons that are in the hair of the girls. If you demer, shel tzemer v'shel se'ar ein chotzitzim. If it's made out of wool, or if it's made out of hair, whatever this accessory is, that is fine. Mipnei shamayim ba'im behem. They don't create a chatzitza. That's the Mishnah. Then you have Amar Avuna. Avuna comes and qualifies the Mishnah and says, V'kulan b'roshei banot shaninu. That roshei banot that we had at the end of the statement of the Tanakhama is not just modifying ritzuot, it's modifying everything in the Mishnah. That's chutei tzemer, chutei pishtan, and the Ritzuot, all of them are talking about Roshiha Banot. So then Matifla Rav Yosef, Lemute Mai. What is Ravuna coming to tell us that that's all has to do with the hair of the girls? But what is he thinking would be done with them otherwise? Where would they be utilized not on the hair, then they will not be problematic. If you're saying that if she wore them around her neck, then they will not be problematic. Udemai. What's the case here? If it's coming to exclude semer, hashta rach al gabi and you use something soft, wool is a soft material, and you're placing it on hair, which is a harder substance, when you tie it around the hair, chotzeitz, then it creates a chatzitza, the tightness of the wool string around the hair does not allow the water to enter, rach al gabi rach when you're taking something soft on something soft, of course it'll create a chatzitza. She wears them around her neck and she ties the wool, which is a soft material, around her neck, which is a supple skin. There, the tightness of the two of them will not allow the water to enter. And for sure it'll be a chatzitza. pishtan. Comes to exclude pishtan. Hashto Again, we have the same problem. Pishtan or linen is a coarser material. And even when you put it on hair, which is also coarser, there we say that it's a chatzitza. It blocks the water from entering. When you talk about the neck, which is kashet, you have the coarse material of the linen around the neck, which is supple skin, then kashet al rachmi bai, then you'd have a question that if there's a chatzitza, you can always tie it tighter around something that is softer, and you can create a chatzitza. Ah, so Elam Rav Yosef, Exactly what you just suggested, which is, a woman's not going to choke herself. Yes, in theory, you can get it tighter around the neck, then you can get it around the hair, because the skin is supple, and you could tie it tighter and create a tighter seal, but nobody's going to do that, because they don't want to choke themselves. So since they won't choke themselves, they'll intentionally leave it loose. And that is the reason behind Rambuna's statement. He says, all of these are true when we're talking about hair. But here, you have no fear of tying it tight. Tie it as tight as possible to keep it in place in the hair. And there's no fear that it's going to choke you. It's going to have some deleterious effect on you. And therefore, you tie it as tight as possible. And that creates the chatzitza. 
Even though, again, in theory, when you put it around your neck, you can create a tighter seal, and that should be a problem with chatzitza. Nevertheless, nobody does that, because nobody's going to tie the tight as tight as possible, because they're going to end up choking themselves. So they will leave it loose. Okay, that's coming up. The girls are going to go out with the strings in their ears. Now, here the strings are not decorative in nature. These are strings that are put in there after they pierce their ears. When they pierce their ears, before they can put earrings in there, they used to put a string through there to hold the hole and to allow the hole to open and expand. And then after that, they wore the earrings in there. So these are the training earrings. These are the strings that they put in there after they pierce the ear. But not the chavakim. So these chavakim, and this is what Shaul just said, these are anakei ritzuot she'ena muzavot rechavot they are something that's put around the neck. They are for practical reasons, not for decorative reasons. And they're tied around the neck in a manner that is tight. We'll see that in a second. So this is the question that Shaul asked. What about a choker? If you have a choker around the neck, it sounds like there isn't a problem for wearing them. And why not? According to your reasoning, which is, we don't worry about things that they don't tighten or don't choke themselves with. Over here, there's a specific type of accessory or dress that they wear that does have a choking effect. If a woman doesn't choke herself, why can you not wear those items? I mean that we permit them to wear the strings in the ears but not the chokers around their necks. Why can't you wear them around their necks? If they don't tighten things around their necks, it shouldn't be a problem. Amar Avina. says, Here we're dealing with a katlo. The isha chonekedetetzma. That a woman would choke herself with it. So that she looked like she is supple, that she has heft to herself. Times have changed, correct. In their day, it was a show of beauty, of, I would say, fortitude. And the ability to last if you were a heavier woman to a sign of wealth, that you ate well. These were all positive signs. And therefore, a woman wanted to show off the fact that she had some fat, some weight on her. And by tying it tight around her neck, that showed that the skin was very supple or she had extra skin over there. And by tying it around, it would give that impression. So the women used to do this in order to make themselves look fatter or bigger. As opposed to today where they do just the opposite. They wear things that try to make themselves look skinnier. So it's the same thing in their day, just that they were looking for the opposite effect. Almost like a corset. Right, I was just going to say, by the way, a corset. So now the Kabbalah Skin and Rashi defines it, Begid Chashuv. Now what is this choker? Why were they wearing it? Rashi said before it wasn't decorative. What was it? So Rashi says it was a bib of sort. Begid Chashuv, Litlot B'Tzavara, Keneged Liba. It was in the front. Shelo Yipol Ba Mashi Ochelet Al Bigadeha. So whatever she eats won't fall onto her clothing. It has a place around the top of it for a ribbon or a string loops that they have like on pants that are worn by the Kohanim. And you put a thick ribbon or a string in there. And then you thread it around. It's very wide. Ties around her neck and ties it very tight. So it, it has practical use, which is that it's basically a bib of sorts to protect her clothing. But the way that she tied this bib onto her was around her neck with a, we'll call it a choker, with a tight ribbon or string around it that held it around the neck that would give the impression of her being or having heft. So that's what Rashi says this kabla is. 
It's wide and smooth. We're actually saying that because otherwise nobody would use it. If it's thin and narrow, then it wouldn't cut into the neck. It would choke you. You'd have to use something that even when you tied it tight, it wouldn't really have the effect of choking you. So you use a wide and thick item that will not have that effect. That's the way Rashi defines it. Tosafot disagrees, and he brings from the Rashbal, this is the Rashi says it's not a practical item. It is a adornment of sorts. Says the problem is that she's going to take it off and show it to others. The same chashash we have in the Mishnah. It's a small accessory, something that's not necessary to be worn, and therefore there's a risk that if she wears it, it's decorative, that she might take it off. So that's the way Tosafot learns the issue here. The word katla in the Gemara means to kill. And that's what the Rikiv Eger says over here. That's why a choker is known as a katla. Because choking is what kills someone. So a choker <laughs> is the name that is given to her. The term to describe it is called a katla. The loch is like Rabbi Yudah when it comes to strings made out of hair. He is right there. There is no problem of chatzitza. And therefore there should be no problem with wearing them. Amr le'abaye. Halocha michlal da'pligye. If you're saying halocha is like Rabbi Yudah, you're implying that someone argues on him, meaning the Tanakam argues on him. The problem is, v'chitema ilab dishma'inan mi Tanakama. Well, the Tanakam himself, in what we quoted before, did not mention sayar. He mentioned chutei tzemer, chutei pishtanim ritzuot, not sayar. Rabbi Yudah all of a sudden introduces Sayar, introduces hair that wasn't mentioned by the Tanakhama. So what are you suggesting? You're suggesting here the only reason Rabbi Yudah got involved with hair is because the Tanakhama must have mentioned it. It's not written and we don't see that, but Rabbi Yudah is responding to the Tanakhama. So that's why I know that the Tanakhama would argue on that. Had he not heard from the Tanakhama who says Chutei Sayar, no, he wouldn't have mentioned it. V'dilma, k'shem k'amar lohu. He is responding to the Tanakhama and trying to say to them, just like, just like you agree to me by Chutei Se'ar, that that's not a Chatzitza, agree to me also by wool. may not be that he's responding to the statement of the Tanakhama, but rather he's coming to give evidence to his position and say, just, you agree with me on this point. So agree with me on the other point. Which would mean that the Tanakhama or the Chachamim also agree to the fact that Se'ar is not a Chatzitza. Sure enough, we have a statement from the Amoraim to that effect, which is Itmar, Rav Nachman, and Meshmuel, Modim Chachamim the Rabbi Yudah v'chutei Se'ar. The Chachamim agreed to Rabbi Yudah's position with regards to Chutei Se'ar. There is no Machloket when it comes to hair being used to tie up your hair. Tiny Nami Ochiv of a Brayta that supports that position. Chutei Se'ar, Chotzitzin. Chutei Se'ar, Ein Chotzitzin. The Chutei Se'ar, which is woolen strings, are Chotzitz. Strings that are made out of hair, not Chotzitz. Rabbi Yudah Mer, Shotzemer v'shotzi'ar ain chotzitzim. Both of them. But it's clear here that here's Rabbi Yehuda's statement and the Tanakhama is also saying that se'ar is not chotzitz. I'm Rabbi Nachum Yitzvak, Matznitha Nami Deiko. You can, me midayeket, you can infer it from our Mishnah. Diktani, our Mishnah says, Yotzah Yisha v'chutei se'ar ben meshela ben minshel chavrata. It's a Mishnah coming up that you can go out with chutei se'ar with strings of hair whether they're hers or whether they're her friends. Mani, who is the author of our Mishnah? Why does the Mishnah just stop at saying Chutei Seyar? It's talking about hair that is used to bind your hair. It must be that the author of this upcoming Mishnah is the Rabbanon. That when it comes to Chutei Seyar, they do not argue that that is not considered to be a Chatzitza.
So there is a hierarchy which Tosafot lays out about items in terms of chatzitza. Everybody agrees that if something is a kasher kasher, something's coarse on another coarse item, that that doesn't necessarily create a chatzitza. And that's why when you talk about chute se'ar, al-gabe chute se'ar, that is not creating a chatzitza, because you can never get a tight bind on the hair. Same thing with the ariga. There it's even if it's soft, but you can't create a tight bind, and therefore it will not be a chatzitza. When it comes to something that is soft versus something that is hard, it's clear that something soft will create a bigger chatzitza than something that is hard or coarser. Because something that is soft can be bound tighter. Since it can be bound tighter, it's more likely to create a chatzitza. And if the item that you are encapsulating or tying is soft, we also saw in the Gemara that that is more likely to create a chatzitza. So, for instance, if you have something that is soft, a material that is soft, on a soft object, the skin that is supple, there for sure you're going to create a chatzitza. If it's something that's coarse, on top of something that's coarse, there you're less likely to create a chatzitza. For instance, here, where you have seyar, around seyar, there you're not going to create a chatzitza. The areas where you're going to have the makloket, or the differences in opinion are, when you have a soft material that is binding a coarse material, for instance, semer around seyar. When you have wool that is tying seyar, there Rabbi Hud says no chatzitza, the chachamim say, yes, there is a chatzitza. And the other way around as well, if you take a coarser material, something like linen, and you wrap it around the neck, is there a chatzitza or not? That also will be that question, because you have a coarser material around an object that is softer. So can you bind that tight? Now, by the neck, you have the exception, the fact that you won't choke yourself. But without that exception, it would seem that you can create a tighter bind, and that would be more likely to create a chatzitza. On your hair, something narrower would be more problematic. On your neck, something wider would be more problematic, because then you would remove that condition of she won't choke herself, because here she's less likely to choke herself with a wider material. We continue in the Mishnah. So David wanted to know, what is a totefet? So here the Gemara says, my totefet. What is this totefet? What is this front that they were talking about? Amrav Yosef, humrata dektifta. It's a charm that has balsam in it. It has some sort of aromatic perfume inside of it. Rashi says it was worn to ward off the ayin hara. If that's the case, then it should be permissible. Just like you can wear an amulet from an expert, why can't you wear something that is normally worn, even in, and it's efficacious at warding off the ayin hara? Fine, by some it's beads, threaded beads, but you can see on the side here in the Mesorah Sashas, the Mesorah brings down that it's a tzitz. Now, with, as a tzitz, now it makes a lot more sense because the tzitz is worn between the ears. It's something that's worn on the forehead between the ears. Now, if that's the case, you can understand the connection between the totefet over here and the totafot that we're talking about by the tefillin. It's something that is worn on the front of the head that moves around the sides of the head towards the ears. So that would make a lot of sense in that context. Tanya we have a bride that supports that understanding. She can go out with a hair covering that is gold or gold-plated. This front lint and garlands that are attached to it. What is this totefet and sarvitim? It's something that moves from ear to ear. It's a front lid, a plate that moves in front from her forehead around to her ears. That is, that it comes down to her cheeks. Something that you could see today still in the Arab dress that the women wear beads or strings hanging down from their head covering towards their cheeks or on their foreheads 
you have these types of decorative jewelry that they wear. So that's the, this the tofetefet. This tofetefet is worn on the front of the forehead or on the top of the head, and it moves around towards the ears, like the tzitz. And the sarvitin are decorative items or strings that hang down from the hair covering of the woman. Again, the reason that they have to be attached to the tzvacha is she won't remove them. If they are attached to the tzvacha, she can only take them off by taking off her tzvacha, and that she won't do in Rishut Rabim. That's her hair covering. Now then, if they're not attached, she can take them off independently. Then we're back to the fear that she might remove them. Because first of all, they're accessories. And number two, is she want to show them to her friends. These are exciting. These are nice pieces of jewelry that she might want to share with her friends. The poor women make them out of dyed cloth. Make them out of gold and silver. It seems to be here that Rabuna is talking about the sarvitim that hang down. What is it that they hang down? What ornament is hanging down? The poor women wear something made out of cloth that hangs down. The richer women wear gold and silver items that hang down from their head covering, from their svacha. Okay, now, Velobi Kabul. We mentioned in the Mishra this Kabul, this hairnet. Amr Rabbi Yanai, Kabul ze mahu. I don't know what this Kabul is. E kavlo de avdo tnan. Are we talking about a signet or a sign that a person is an evet, that he's a slave? They wore a necklace, they wore some sort of indication that they were a part of the slave class. So is that what we're talking about over here? Kavlo de avdo? Something, again, we talked about before that kavla means to bind or to grab. Is this someone that binds the person as an evet? It's the indication, it's the sign that they are an evet. Is that what it means in our Mishnah? Odoma kipa shil tzemer tznan. Or we talking about a skull cap, a cap that is made out of wool. Something that's used by the women to cover their hair. So over there the kavla will be to hold the hair together, to keep it together. Is that what we're describing over here? What is this kavla? Obviously, if you think that, that it's referring to the cap of the woman, then the kavla da'avda would also be included in this. It would have the same din. Rebo says it makes more sense according to one who says that we're talking about a cap made out of wool. And we have a break that supports that. Woman can go out with a kabul or an istama to the chatzer. She can even go out, or the wording here is a little strange, it should be, She can even go out to the Shutarabim with the Kabul on. Rabbi gives us a principle which defines his position, which is, Anything that is below the hair covering, then Yotzimbo, Anything that's above the hair covering, you can't go out with it. Below the hair covering, there's no likelihood that she's going to uncover her hair to take it off. But if it's above the hair covering, then we worry about the fact that she could remove it without interfering with her hair covering. So here, Rabbi Shimon Lazar defines for you, if he says you can go out to the Rishut Rabin with a kabla, that means it's something below her hair covering. What is something that's below her hair covering? That is a kipashel tzemer. Kipashel tzemer is something that's found below her hair covering. That would be approved to the fact that we're talking about here, this kavla is the kipat tzemer. So my istama, what's this istama that we have in the brayta that we just quoted? We know what the kavla is because we're trying to get to the kabul here. But what is the istama? I'm rabbi, bizyoni. Where it says, my bizyoni. That doesn't help us very much. So I'm rabbi, I'm rav, peruche. It's the thing that terminates the peruche, that which grows out. If you remember from the Mishnayot in Kodashim, on top of the roof of the Heichal, they had something called a Kalya de Orev. It's something that chased away the pigeons, the ravens from landing on top there. Right, pigeon spikes, or they were over there, maybe triangles, whatever they were that they used to keep away the birds from landing on top of the Heichal. 
So that's the word kalya. Kalya means to stop something from happening, to end something. So over here too, the word here is used as kalya. Peruche, or perach, bifroach, is something that grows or emerges. So what this, as Rashi defines here, this kalya, the peruche, is a hair wrap that catches all the loose hairs. All the loose hairs that stick out of the svacha, this is something that captures them, wraps them up. And that's what we're speaking about in this Istam over here. So now, Tanur Rabbanan, Gimel Dvarim, Nemru Bistama. So Sefta says there are three things that we say about an Istama. Einba Mishum Kilayim. Number one is, there's no problem of Kilayim with it. Of Tzemeru Pishtan Yachtav, there is no problem. We'll discuss why in a second. Vein Mitama Binegayim. It's also not Mitame Binegayim, which will be for the same reason. Vein Yotzim Bader Shutarabim. You're not allowed to go out with it into the Rishut Rabim. Vishim Rabishim Amru, Af Einba Mishum Atarot Kalot. It's also not under the gzera of things that items that a kalam may not wear after the churban. So let's go through each of these items. Why is there no problem of kilayim with this hair wrap? Rashi claims because it's yasuya kamin lavad. It's not made out of something that is woven or stitched together, but rather it's pressed down. It's used out of flat material. And it's not stitched, it's not connected. So because of that, it doesn't have a din of kilayim. That's what Rashi claims over here. So even though you have Tzemer and Pishtan Yachdav, because of the way or the way that it's made, it's pressed together, not stitched together. Therefore, it's not considered to be Kilayim. Tosafo disagrees. Tosafo does not like that because he says, even though you're right, Nidoraito, there's no Kilayim here. The Chachamim were gozer by Levadim that it is a problem of Kilayim. So why would you say that it's totally fine over here? Tosafo says that it's actually a material that is plated with metal. It's material that's plated with metal and the ikar of the item is the metallic side of it. So since the ikar is the metal part of it, then we don't worry about the kilayim, because the kilayim is not the begit. We go to the next statement, which is, It's not We already learned before, remember by nigayim, that there is a requirement for the only begit that is is something that is made out of So over here, this is not considered to be a begit because of the, the way that it's made according to Rashi. According to Tosafot, quoting from the Aruch, because it's plated with metal, therefore the ikar is the metal and not the material that's underneath it. That's one way to explain it. The other Bali at Tosafot come up with a different explanation, which is very interesting, which is that when is there an Isser Kilayim? The first attempt is done by the Riva to say that the Chachamim were only gozer by soft materials, not hard materials. When we say that a Levad, or Levadim, are considered to be Kilayim the Rabbanan, that's only true by... Soft materials, not by hard materials. The difference between Tzemer and Pishtan. Pishtan, which is a coarser, harder material, there wouldn't be a problem. But Tzemer, there would be a problem. The Rabbeinu Tam says, I can't agree with you because the Gemara in other places tells us that Big Day Kahuna are Kilayim. And Big Day Kahuna are made out of linen. And so you see there that even though they're made out of linen, there is a problem with Big Day Kashim, with hardened materials that do have a problem of Kilayim, even Midar Rabbanan. So therefore, the Rabbeinu Tam comes up with a Different explanation. He says, Omer Rabbeinu Tam, Dover Shushua Tabivinos, Vederech Malbush Vahala, the Surman of Torah, something that is made in a way that would make it be lying, and is worn in the normal way that clothing is worn, that's a Surman of Torah, Ein Chiluk Ben Rach Lekasheh. There's no difference between a material that is soft and a material that is coarser or harder. Bechol Inyana Surman of Torah, no matter what, it's a Sur. Aval Bikilayim Dirabanan. When we deal with Kilayim Dirabanan, can go and live Vadim, Shein Amele Shua, like as Raji said, then they're only Shua. Shari bikashim, afilu lil bosh. When it's a harder or coarser material, you can wear them. Came into Aimbahem, Mikum Kalayim, Elamid Durabanan. Because it's only Durabanan. 
So what the Rabbeinu Tam says is that you can still have with these coarser materials, kilayim nidoraita, it's when you do all the normal course of preparations with them, which is shua tovi knows to be spun, to be twisted, and then to be stitched. That's the way the big day kuhuna are made. So even though they're made out of coarser materials, since you're wearing them like clothing, and they're made in the normal way that clothing's made, they're problematic. Over here, we're talking about a levat, something that's a flattened material. That's not the normal way to make clothing. And it's kasher, and it's coarse. So that's why it's not a problem of kilaim. And again, that's the same reason it will not be a problem of nigaim. Now we'll continue just to, not to the two dots. Shmuel Amar, Kavlo Da'avdatznan. Shmuel argues on Rabbi Abau and says, no, that our mission is talking about the ornament or the signet or sign that the slave wears in order to indicate that he's a slave. Umi Amar Shmuel, Hachi, does Shmuel really say there's a problem to wear such a thing in the Rishut Rabbim? Amar Shmuel, you would say, Evet Bechutam Shibitzavaro. Avalo Bechutam Shibksuto. And Evid can go out with this sign that's around his neck, but not when it's on his clothing. And our Mishnah is talking about a case when it's on his clothing. Lokasha, ha da'avid le'rabe, ha da'avid Depends who made this sign or insignia for him. If he made it for himself, then we worry about the fact that he's going to take it off. Because he's the one who put it there, and he can be the one to take it off. Nobody's going to be so makpid. On the other hand, if his master insisted that he wear such an item... There's no way that he's going to take it off out of fear that his master is going to get angry at him that he takes it off. That he's pretending to be a ben chorin. He's pretending not to be a slave. And that's what the Gemara says. So in Bayo Kim the Shmuel Davidei Rabbei, you establish now when Shmuel says that the right that you're allowed to go out with it is when his master makes it. Why is it that in our Mishnah it says you can't go out with it even when it's on his clothing, even when it's made by his master? The Gemara says Dilma Mitzah Omirtat. What's going to happen is it might break or fall off. And then he's going to be fearful. So what's he going to do in order to hide or cover up? What he's going to do is he's going to take his outer garment, roll it up, and throw it over his shoulder, throw it over his neck. He's going to try to hide the fact that it broke. And we already know, Someone who goes out with a cape, an outer covering that is folded, not wearing it, but folded. It's on his shoulder. That's not derech malbush. That's not wearing the clothing. That's carrying the clothing, not wearing the clothing. So here too, if he ends up being fearful of having someone see that it broke on his clothing, what he's ended up doing is rolling up his clothing and throwing it off his shoulder. Carrying the clothing, not wearing the clothing. So that's exactly what Shmuel said to Rav Chinnah Barshila. The Rabbanan of the Reish Galuta who work for the Exilarch or part of the house of the Exilarch, they should not go out with their Sarvile Chatime, these capes that have the insignia of the Reish Galuta on it. Except for you, the Lokapti Alech, the Bey Reish Galuta. So Reish Galuta doesn't care whether you have the insignia or not. So the definition of what you can or cannot go out with is someone who will use makpid on you having the insignia. If the Reish Galuta is makpid that they wear it and show that they're part of the house of the Exilarch, then you can't go out with it on Shabbat because of the fear that it comes apart or it's ruined, and then you're going to throw it over your shoulder to hide it. You, on the other hand, who doesn't have that problem because they don't care whether you wear it or not, then for you we allow it and we don't worry about it. So Sophil points out here that the Nechalei Tfeshir Mekupal he wears it around as if he doesn't worry, he's not fearful when it breaks off. That looks like he did it on purpose. He broke the insignia or whatever it is that's on his clothing in order to show that he's a Ben Chorin. That he doesn't want to do. He's, he's more apt to throw the clothing over and hide it to make it look like it was a mistake and he's not trying to show up that he's a free person. And that's why he's going to, in that type of fear that he has of his master, he's going to do this cover-up 
Even though, again, the master's also going to know when he throws it over his shoulder, there's something wrong that he's covering it up. But that looks more like he did it by accident, not that he's intentionally trying to walk around without the insignia on him. Okay, we'll stop here.